I'm Luke Perrin. And I'm Tim Willard. Tim, why don't you uh, introduce yourself and introduce our guest for this week? I'm the host of today's podcast, and I'll be a reoccurring voice in the future. Today's guest is Mark Hoyt, the Vice Chancellor for IT and CIO of NC State. And here is Tim's interview with Mark Hoyt. Enjoy. The Office of Information Technology is, I think, one of the lesser-known departments on campus. So what does OIT generally do, and how do students interact with OIT? Wow, lesser known. Come on. (laughs) We run everything. Um, So OIT runs everything from the phone systems to the uh, identity management to the student portal so you can log in and get your classes to the really cool calendaring app that allows you to put the calendar and make your schedule that way. Um, To the financial system, if you're working, you get a paycheck with us. Um, to the communications and the network. And so what do you as vice chancellor for IT and as CIO do? And how did you get the job? Wow. What do I do? Well, if you ask my team members, they'll tell you I don't do a whole lot. But <laughs> what I do is, is I help manage all of them. Um, I have a great team. Um, everything from the communications technology, which is the phone systems and the networks, to the uh, enterprise systems and and they um, help do the day-to-day work. I help do strategy and work with other campus partners. So I work with the deans and try and find ways to bring things together, um, look at courses and, and future and what we should do. So the really cool part of what I do is strategy. And so the strategy are things like um, the reason Google and AT&T are here offering fiber to the residents as an effort myself and and um nine other entities we pulled together and helped do a team to bring them in. Um, we get to do really cool things like work with the city and we're doing partnerships with the city for doing uh, both research where the city works with us to do research. And then we also do activities together to try and integrate technologies and the things the city are doing, uh, working with the state on the same types of things. So there's some really um, high level things we get to do that are fun. Uh, the way, the way I got here, um, so in 1990 to 2000, I did a research project that was, uh, I was at the University of Florida, um, NC State, Virginia Tech, and Georgia Tech did a research project on how to do uh, improve engineering education. So I was up and back to Raleigh and NC State for a 10-year period working with all sorts of folks. Um, eight and almost 10 years ago now, the um, NC State decided they needed a CIO. I was doing the similar position down at Florida. Um, I was asked to apply and was lucky enough to, to get the job. I think it's uh, been great having you as a CIO of <laughs> NC State here. I appreciate that. So a big change that students probably have recently noticed and will definitely notice as they sign up for classes is that MyPack Portal's look and feel has been upgraded, and I personally like it. But what led to the change, and how do you expect the new upgrades to help students? So we struggle. Uh, when you use a big engine, uh, application, enterprise application like that, like PeopleSoft, um, we're at the mercy a little bit of the people who own the software. And they try and do things to help the 3,000 schools across the nation that use, across the world, that use PeopleSoft. One of the biggest uh, impediments we've had is the use of mobile. Um, It hasn't been very mobile friendly. And this change is the first step in making it uh, much more mobile friendly. So those of you that are leasing it, if you try it on your your mobile phone instead of on your uh, lab lab. Uh, laptop or tablet, you'll notice that it's a little bit easier to access and do that. 
biggest change is you actually, the home page you can customize. So all of the things that you're used to, you want to see and you want to get access to, you can put them right up front so you can get to them and find them and get to them more easily. Um, like I said, a little slow. Wish it was here sooner. Um, they'll, they'll, all the students will notice it. All the same functionality behind it is identical. Uh, the wizard that allows you to get your courses, the stay on track and make sure that you're uh, taking the courses to, to fulfill your degree requirements in uh, four to four and a half years. All those things are still in place. Uh, it's mostly the interface for mobile and the stuff that uh, helps you gain access in more ways. And as you probably know, it's currently Cybersecurity Awareness Month. <laughs> I have heard that. <laughs> and it seems like it couldn't be more timely with OIT requiring faculty and staff and encouraging students to sign up for two-factor authentication. So why do you think that faculty, staff, and students uh, should all sign up for two-factor authentication on the MyPAC portal and the Google account? So that one's easy. Um, if you've been watching anything in the news, you've seen everything from Equifax um, gee, we just saw a list of the different breaches to uh, AOL to uh, you name it. Um, they're just enormous. They're, uh, city states, uh, nation states are, are working to steal information to disrupt business. Uh, there are a lot of people that dislike all sorts of countries, not just the United States, and it pays. Uh, it's a crime that is easy. Um, you can go buy those services on the dark web for I just heard the other day for about two and a half dollars, you can get a 15-minute disruption of the network. Uh, so it's the equivalent, the old equivalent of pulling the fire alarm when there's an exam. If all of a sudden you can't use the network and you can't take your exam, what do you do? All right? Uh, and people are actually using it that way. Now, it's against the law, but the, the uh, illegal element who is doing that is making lots of money doing that. And it's a lot harder to track that down because cyber um, events can happen from anywhere in the world. And uh, jurisdictions across uh, country lines are a little bit harder to deal with than doing it, you know, the old type of way when you had to be in the state and in the location to do it. Um, it turns out that the two factors that are the, the biggest security issues, the, one of them is um, keeping your system current. So if you've got an iPhone, that little system up there and the little gear for your setup says time to update your OS or an application that says um, it's time to update the application. Um, we suggest that you turn that on automatic. Everybody makes it so they just automatically update all the time. Uh, it turns out that that's the second biggest vector that people get in. Uh, the Equifax breach was they didn't patch their systems. Uh, it was two and a half months after a known bug was out and the fix was released, and they hadn't gotten to fixing it. Um, the primary vector that people get in through is humans. Um, the mid 80, they, the, the, some of the numbers between 80 and 90% of all issues in cybersecurity happen because a person did something they shouldn't have. Now, some of it is innocent, some of it making mistakes, some of those things happen. Um, but most of it is phishing attempts. And so you see that email that looks like a legitimate email. And um, there was a quote I saw this morning at today's lecture. Um, People will always want to go see the dancing pigs. And, and it's a quote from a security researcher earlier that said, you know, you make something, you, you want to see the animated dancing pigs. People are going to give information and click on the link. You want to go see the, the cat that's doing something. You want to go see the uh, picture of the celebrity doing whatever it is that they're doing that you're interested in. You will do things, click on things, um, give up information, do things that are risky, with, maybe without realizing it, because you're attracted to something. Uh, the Nobel Prize was just won by a behavioral economist for understanding the way the brain works and how um, 
people in sales have learned that and can do things that make you automatically click and buy things. And so there's a whole science to that. And so the two-factor gives you a third piece. So you got your ID, you got your password, but then before you can actually get access, you have to have that factor that comes to your phone and all of a sudden you can think about it. It gives you a little more time to think about it and hopefully you, you make sure to know what you're doing and you don't give that away. Plus then the thieves can't get that third factor because uh, hopefully nobody gives it away. And so when will that be required for faculty and staff? Faculty and staff are easy because November 1st, uh, we turn it off. We have about 82% uh, acceptance. The harder part for faculty and staff are we have some retired faculty, have some students that are temp workers um, that either don't know about it or waiting till the last minute or whatever the reason. So we're working real hard to get people. Um, we have 24,000 people that need to sign up. We're about 2,600 short. So about 10% right now. Okay. Over 10%. So that's going well. Students, until my team gets a breath and gets to figure out what happened and we start doing with it, um, we are not sure at what date we'll use and how we'll push out to get students to do it. But it's in your best interest. I mean, my bank accounts, if they don't have two-factor on it, I'm upset because I don't want anybody stealing my money. There are cases uh, that we've had people steal from um, – Actually, not us. Happened at other schools. We actually caught it and stopped it. But they get your account, then they go into your payroll check, and they divert it to their bank, not yours. And they divert it to an international bank account with a transfer, and the money's gone. And you don't notice it until your paycheck didn't come in this month. Mm -hmm. And they've also done it to um, debit cards at everything from Walmarts to Western Unions to you name it. Once that card's picked up and they do it, money's gone. So... Two-factor is a second-factor multi-factor authentication is, is your best security right now to stop those things from happening. And when will that be required for students? Don't have a date yet. Um, the, my request would be all students to sign up on your own. There's no pain to do it. You can do it. You know, it's, it's on. You can sign up tomorrow. You can sign up right now. And it, it's nothing but protection for yourselves. Yeah, it's a little bit of inconvenience when you go there. You have to look at your phone and hit the, yes, this is really me. It's okay to go ahead and allow the sign-up. Um, once you do it a couple of times, all of you have your phones with you all the time, as best I can tell. Um, so it's it's not like it's an inconvenience. So uh, I recommend everybody do it sooner than later. So yesterday, October 9th for listeners, an email went out to all students about illegal peer-to-peer -peer file sharing. Mm -hmm. And it's not exactly a secret that NC State is consistently ranked as one of the largest offenders of copyright violations among universities. Uh, so why do you think college students, especially NC State students, um, do illegally download copyrighted materials? And what is OIT doing to stop it or prevent it? So um, the um, Higher Education Act required uh, through some uh, negotiations with uh, the record industry and the movie industry uh, higher ed to give notifications to students. So that's actually a legal compliance requirement. We must tell students, faculty, and staff not to illegally copy material that uh, you don't have the rights to use. Um, so that's, uh, and that's been going on for, since I've been here, since just after I got here, actually. So for about the last eight, seven or eight years. Um, back seven or eight years ago, uh, Apple streaming, uh, Google streaming, all the different music services, Spotify, Pandora, you name it, all those things didn't, they were in their infancy. They didn't really exist. Uh, you couldn't get music that easily. And so downloading a copy onto your iPod at the time, now it's your phone and all those different things was uh, the way that you carried music with you. And so more and more people did that. I 
know that for a fact that illegal copying has decreased enormously because of all those streaming services, because now not only do you have to not go through the trouble of doing it, but you can take it every listen on any device um, worldwide. And it, it's, you know, people buy Amazon, right? They buy Amazon Prime. They, they buy Netflix. It's $10 a month and you can have unlimited use. So that has kind of replaced a lot of that and a lot of the illegal um, copying has gone away. Um, there is still some of it because $10 a month is still $10 a month and some people do it. In terms of what we do, um, if we get a notice, um, we're required by law to pass it on to the guilty party. The difficulty is the guilty party is not um, always obvious because the only information we get is sometimes an IP address and that is not necessarily connected to an individual. So uh, we do pass the notices on. We do our legal responsibility. Uh, those notice um, from those agencies have gone down enormously in the last couple of years because of those new services. Mm -hmm. Students are warned. Um, we hope they're taking advantage of the legal services. While you're a student, Amazon Prime is half price. Um, you know, all those different things. Um, Google services right now, I'm using Google Music. For $14 a month, I can have five additional family members use the service. Oh, wow. That's a pretty good deal. Yeah, it, I do it for my family, so it's great. And so what projects is OIT currently working on that students can look forward to in the near future? More security, unfortunately, uh, interestingly enough, and you won't really see it, but uh, financial aid, the federal government has said a year from now they want us to follow the research security requirements for financial aid, so in order to protect student data. Um, most of the projects are really, uh, they're more research-oriented than student-oriented. My biggest concern, the one that is, is our biggest uh, amount of effort is in security and research security. There's a, um, we have four grants that are due at the end of this year, December, um, and then every new grant from the federal government is expected to come in under these new requirements, which are much uh, like credit card requirements. So um, students will continue to improve my PAC portal, will include and continue to improve your access and your ability to work on mobile or where you need it. Uh, remember, the student access to computation is in kind of three groups. Delta does the, the online learning. The library has access and all the tools, and we do kind of the student registration, access to the um, Internet, and those type of things. So there's kind of three of us that, that help the student experience. And then not to mention your college and your department and where you're, you know, what you're studying and all those other things too. So professor-dependent, how they use the technologies. Oh, I know one that we're changing that'll be a big one. Um, so a lot of students used to use clickers in the large classes. Mm -hmm. You had to buy a clicker. We're moving to a technology that works on your phone or on your tablet or laptop. Um, and that technology will be um, because of student fees, because of the nice um, collaboration we did with students, we'll be putting more wireless in all the classrooms. There's a two-year plan to make the classrooms uh, high-density wireless, so every device will work and work um, effectively, and therefore then people can use that in classroom for online testing for different ways to do things. So that's one change that you'll start seeing. Mm -hmm. That's pretty exciting. I mean, we've already done the residence halls, right? right? So now you can walk <laughs> from your residence hall onto campus and transparently connect, and hopefully mm -hmm. everybody knows that you can register your device, something most students don't know. Instead of logging in every time you use it, you can go to nomad.ncsu.edu, N-O-M-A-D, and you can register up to five devices, and they will automatically be in wireless. And just like when you walk home, it turns on. Well, now when you walk onto campus, it'll automatically be usable. And over the next year, we're rolling out the new one for EduRoam that allows it to work on other campuses. 
the version of EduRoam we have is having some difficulties, so we're replacing it. You can register your device, and you don't have to log in anymore. Awesome. And as a final fun question, what's your favorite flavor of Howling Cow ice cream? I like the Chancellor's Choice, the uh, Wolf Tracks. I, I, I like the chocolate bits, and I, I think it's Heath Bar in it, if I'm not mistaken, is uh, kind of my favorite. So that's an easy one. I don't get that very often, but, <laughs> but it's a good one. Thank you for uh, coming on to the show here. It's been exciting having you. My pleasure. I, uh, I can come back and talk about any other IT-related issue. I'd be glad to help. This week's episode of Dialogue with Technician was written, recorded, and edited by Tim Willard. We record in WKNC Recording Studios on the third floor of Witherspoon Student Center. Technician's editor-in-chief is Jonathan Carter. You can reach out to him at technician-editor at ncsu.edu. As always, we'll see you next Monday.